Folks, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show, and uh, as often happens, uh, I wind up connecting with a cosmic spirit, somebody who has been healing people for many decades on the bandstand through rhythm. We have a general, we have a pretty good conversation, set one, and life happens, we continue to move through the patterns of life and the ups and downs, and then we get a chance to do it all over again. It's been a couple years since I talked to my guest, but it really is great to have Bobby Caldwell, Captain Beyond. Welcome back to the Jake Feinberg Show. Well, thank you very much. Good to see you. Good to hear you, man. You know, um, can you, one guy, uh, one guy wanted you to talk about, um, you dedicated Sufficiently Breathless to him was Barry Oakley. Uh, I know that Dwayne and I mean, I was listening back to our interview last night and they came to the whiskey and was, did you, did you know, I mean, you played with them when Barry was in the band, right? Absolutely. You talk, the floor is yours. I just want you to talk about the legacy of that freaking genius, dude. About Barry? Yeah, please. Well, Barry was, um, you know, he was a good old uh, Southern boy. Uh, he, he grew up in Florida. He uh, played with different, you know, sort of configurations down there in Bradenton and uh, Sarasota area. And then uh, he got a chance to join the Romans. And uh, so he joined the Romans and they were backing up Tommy Rowe. Wow. And they... Um, were really uh, quite uh, really big uh, at one time. And I think they signed with ABC Paramount. Um, they went to England. And um, so, yeah, I mean, Gary, I mean, uh, Barry was just a great guy. Um, and, uh, you know, he was just, uh, he was all about the music. That's all he cared about. He didn't. He wouldn't have matter if he had a nickel in his pocket. I mean, he really. <laughs> but he. Um, I did. He he idolized Dwayne, and not in an unhealthy way. He just thought that Dwayne was really a kindred spirit spirit with him, and uh, he had just admired him to no end, and that's why when Dwayne was killed, um, it, it hit him so hard. He was never the same. And then he only lasted about another year, but he was he's just a terrific guy, great, a great player. And, uh, I, I just can't say enough good things about it. Well, I mean, did, what, did, I mean, he, he was despondent. Everybody was, I mean, I've talked to, uh, you know, like Chuck Lavelle and you, I mean, he, you know, people were like just devastated after Dwayne died. I mean, did Barry did he die of natural causes? Was I mean, did he did he did he take his own life? I mean, what happened? No, no, no. He died in a motorcycle uh, situation. Same, same as Dwayne. Did Dwayne die in a motorcycle? It, yeah. Oh my. Absolutely. God. Oh my God. Involving the school bus and all of that, but but uh, I have to tell you that. Um, there was only a handful of us that were really, really, um, I don't know. It sort of bothers me when all everybody, you know, says that, you know, um, 
so and so was there. This, that. There was only a handful. of I totally get there. it, man. Who who uh, was that? What was the handful? The captain. The handful. Yeah. The handful was. I'm talking about the Allman Brothers family at that moment. Mm-hmm. Was Dwayne, of course, Greg, Barry, um, Butch, Chamo, me, uh, and. Um, be like it was like. Uh, and Dicky. And Dicky, that, that, that's right. Yeah, right, right. And Dicky Betts, and that was that was it. That that, that was the. You know, that was the main sort of uh, family affair, if you will. You know, there was a lot of uh, people, you know, peripherally and, you know, sort of nipping around on the edges. But they, they, were, they were just, you know, they were just glory seekers. They, they were the hanger honors. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I did forget about this part of the interview, but when you talked about these... Um, <clears throat> spirits reincarnating in different lifetimes, you know, uh, yep. Jimmy turned from Beethoven to, uh, to Jimmy. I mean, I, I just, at that, if you could go back to that time, maybe before, you know, you were still young and wild and, and maybe you were, uh, but you hadn't pers- really, pr- uh, pursued, you know, uh, degrees and, and gotten really deep into this stuff. I mean, did you, did you recognize like that you needed to really um, prioritize self-preservation? Otherwise, you were going to wind up like roadkill. I mean, so many cat. I mean, Dwayne and Barry. I mean, it was tragic. But I mean, the, the Rick Danko broke his neck in a in a motorcycle accident. Dylan got in a car wreck, and I just wonder, like, with the drugs and the partying and just sort of the lifestyle. Um, is it fair to say that you recognize self-preservation at that time, and that's why you're still here today? I I'm not sure that I could um, attribute it to that. To be honest, sure, uh, sure. you're pulled. You know, we we are all pulled um, into certain destinations, or or we have uh, those in spirit that point the way that that constantly re remind you, hey, you know, Jake. But you don't even realize it's happening because they can't impose their will on you. You have to do it under your own free will. See, mm. this is the way it works. Mm. And so they may be all these little signs and indicators, but before you can ever realize, oh, you know, I've always loved such and such, you have to go through certain doors before you can get to that point. That doesn't mean just because all of a sudden the destination's found out. It doesn't mean you don't have to go climb all these mountain ranges before you're supposed to be there where you're supposed to be. In my case, uh, when I was a child, and I mean uh, five years old, um, if I told you this, you can stop me, but I'll tell it to uh, everyone listening. Uh, In my case... I was um, with my older sister having the radio on all the time, and um, I was just uh, intoxicated, really, with this these songs coming out of the radio. I mean, it was insane. And even though I couldn't really articulate it, I mean, I, every time this song came on, I mean, I was... I was wild. Yeah. And so <laughs> I, I, at, that, at that point... Though to your point, 
I was stargazing even then, and I wanted to be a astronomer is really what I wanted to be. At that moment, at that moment as a little kid, as much as I was just flabbergasted by this music, I wanted something was drawing me into astronomy, like, you know, what is that? And what is that? And how does that happen? Where do you get that? And so, yeah, for me, so I, um, you know, and it just drew me, but I don't think anything in particular except a, a modicum of good sense. Right. You know what I mean? They right. Just like, kind of say, hey, listen, I, I, if I put my hand on this fire one more time, um, <laughs> you know, it, it, I don't think it's going to turn out good. So I just, you know, you just finally, you just finally use good sense, I hope, and you just, you know, whatever's detrimental to you, you stop. And uh, could you talk about is was there a period a demarcation point for you uh, you know with whatever you were you know could have been any kind of could have been gambling or drugs or women or what you know whatever it was I mean you know but where you knew you weren't at your peak level and you needed to um, like you said not touch the hot stove again in order to. Was there some point point in your career? I mean, I've talked to so many cats who a lot of it's sobriety, a lot of it's drugs. You know, Steve Gadd, like, literally was the number one session player in New York, but it got his drug addictions got so bad he was he had to go he had to leave New York and he couldn't see his kids and he was you know it, it saved his life and he yeah. had friends in the business that brought him back. But was there uh, for you and you you know just the music racket is so manic to begin with? I just wonder. If there was a, what, what was the breaking point, you mean? Yeah, but what was the point where you were like, I'm never touching the stove again? I'll tell you exactly what yeah. it was. It was just I got up one morning and I thought, I am so fucking tired of feeling bad. I am so t- tired of, you know, the next day you got a terrible headache, whether you've been drinking all night. And you might be drinking under very sedentary sort of uh, right. just a small group of friends. I'm not talking about, you know, running around with sparklers and stuff. I just could be anything. <laughs> no, I dig. And, I dig, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I just, I just got up one day and I said, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. I have, a, I have, you know, a great time. I went to this drug counselor one time that I used to see, and he said to me, this is really wild. And he says to me, um, so, in a very sort of stern, fatherly way, he goes, Bobby, he goes, so how do you feel now that you've, uh, how do you feel about drugs in general now that you've gotten away from that and all this stuff? And uh, and uh, this is all pretty common knowledge. And I said, um, well, I think they're the greatest. <laughs> I really did. And he, he just kind of, there was like this pause. I said, but you know what? I forget his doggone name. I said, but you know what? I'm not ever going to do him again. Wow. And that's what I followed up with. And wow. I so it's, it's really one of those kind of things, you know, if you get, you know, if you go through enough, I, I, I'm not, uh, I, I don't make always uh, have made the um, smartest decisions, but I'm not stupid. You know what I mean? There's a difference. And I just... Hmm. I found myself, you know, uh, just the aggravation of it, Jake. Oh my word, the aggravation, and the and the lies, and the this and the that. And I thought, I, I one time I remember thinking to myself, "You've got me confused with somebody who cares." You know what I mean? When mm. I was sitting 
hmm. in a car for somebody. And I didn't give a damn, you know, really, when you come right down to it. Um, so that was it. And, uh, you know, uh, getting back to those, those, uh, those times with, uh, was it, was, I, mean, I just want to be clear though. Uh, like you didn't, I mean, I sometimes feel this way. Interestingly enough, I mean, <clears throat> when I'm doing my, my gig, this gig, I'm not, I'm never in an altered state, but a lot of times I go to shows uh, especially with people that I love so much and I want to really sure. and just relax and get into it. <laughs> so, you know, inevitably I'm like, I need to, you know, get this, get, you know, have a couple of, I'm, like you said, I, I, I don't always make the prudent tr- decisions, but I'm not dumb. So like right. have a couple of whiskeys, smoke a joint, whatever. I'm good. But yet I often say to myself, well, but you could reach the same level of consciousness, cosmic consciousness, without any of that stuff. And I just wonder with you, was there ever an issue? Some cats say, well, I got to be on the band set. I got to be a certain, I got to be set this way. Otherwise I'm not going to be able to reach this, this, this pinnacle. Was there ever, this, yeah. yeah, you know, was there ever like a bandstand? Was there ever a quandary with you? Cause I get it. I mean, you know, it could just be like drinking with friends and waking up with a horrible hangover, but on the bandstand, were you, were you getting into some sort of, Routine that you mean like a man a mandatory way to show up <laughs> like like basically like well I you know I need to get stoned or I I need to uh, get to a certain place in order to to really relax but then after you decided not to touch the hot stove again you realized you could get there without any uh, accoutrements. Well, I knew that. I mean, I knew that uh, um, once I made that decision. There's no turning back. Right. I mean, I'm just that way. So once I decided, you know, I, that meant when I was out playing, I mean, I, I was out playing without that. And I didn't have to be, uh, you know, I didn't have to be in some minor altered state or major altered state. And, you know, um, I don't I don't think anybody plays very well, um, needless to say when they're in that frame of mind, you think you're playing well. Um, but, um, that's all, that's interesting. Cause a lot of people would say that, that agree, you know, like other musicians would say, boy, I killed it, man. And then, you know, they were all inebriated, all right. but then they, they, th- right. then they listened back to it. They're just ready to throw up, you know? Yeah. I, I always tell them you killed it. All right. <laughs> you killed the vibe, dude. Yeah, no, I get it. No, I, <laughs> I want to, so I, I, I just interviewed, um, uh, Andre Fisher, who uh, was the drummer for Shaka Khan, and I want—I want to read this quote to you, and then that's a really good. I don't know what part of Shaka's career he was involved in, but he, uh, yeah, I mean, right at the right, right away, right, right off, right off the bat. Well, he's a great player. He's a great player, and a, and a, and his dad, or his, I'm sorry, his his dad was a monster uh, jazz player, and his uncle was Claire Fisher, the great jazz piano player. But really, wow, he, yeah, deep cat. So this is what he said, <laughs> and. Um, I, I want to read it to you and then have you respond. He said, okay. as far as musicians are concerned, what got me about a lot of them is good content. I remember Paul Humphreys telling me a long time ago, a lot of the young people who talk to us want to know the system we work within. What's the game? They're not asking me about content. They're asking me about the game. 
all the people who came to me for music business classes at the college I was a dean at, everyone was so worried about the game, but they will go attempt to play the game with no effing content. The only people that meant anything to me and my friends, like Stevie Wonder, Ray Parker, and Lionel Richie, was content. They were communicating something that other people understand. You don't go and pay money to see a band you don't get. There's a thread that connects us. And right. I just I, I wanted you to specifically talk about in your own career, but also for younger cats, because there's so much pressure to sort of figure out this racket, so to speak, or or which you'll never figure out anyway, but try to like get in that people are ready to 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 cross the 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 lines into the into the game before they even know who they are and well, so I just want you to riff on that anyway you you can you can what, go ahead what's the what's the chap's name the cat who whose whose quote that was yeah the drummer you the, the Chaka, Chaka. yeah Chaka, Andre Fisher Andre Fisher yeah. I'd love to talk to him sometime well I'll we'll give you his number he's a he's a brill he's a really head dude man so Dave yeah what he, I think, what I think he's really talking about. Yeah, go ahead. You just extrapolate uh, on that. Yeah, because yeah. What I think he's referring to is um, there was a time when you were playing, or you were going to be a player, or you were going to try to be. Notice that word, a professionally paid uh, musician. That's right, and. You had to have um, songs. You had to have something to play what he was saying that everyone could connect to in some way. Not just, boy, I want to get up there and I, I want to be in a famous band, but uh, I have no idea what we're going to do. I have no idea how to do it. I don't even know how to play my instrument. And I think there was this period of creativity in music. And I'm going to say... Off the top of my head, this is subject to change, so nobody needs to hold me to this, <laughs> even though I consider myself a music historian. Well, I think, I, I mean, you're pretty, I know you're going to be right on the money, so go ahead. I, I think the period of time in the uh, in the business of music would have been from 19, probably, even before the Beatles' advent, probably even before them, but not a lot. Just a couple of years, maybe when the girl groups were all thriving. You think like 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 do what like late fifties, fifty eight, fifty nine, uh, maybe early sixties. Early sixties, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And see what was happening is that, uh, and I'm going to really shock you in a minute. What was happening <laughs> is that period of time through about the mid seventies, about the mid seventies. You had to have your own thing. Exactly. You had to. I mean, we don't need another Doors. You know, we've got the Doors. That's right. You know, uh, uh, we don't need uh, the Rolling Stones. We've got the fucking Rolling Stones. I mean, we just and you'd have these people, God bless them, that would uh, you know be pushing that same uh, agenda because, uh, as Andre said, they they had no idea. You know, they knew they were swimming in water, but they had no idea what was in the water. <laughs> that's exactly, uh, that's right. I mean, you're, 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 I mean, but did you feel that, that there so was, we, go ahead, yeah, keep, so keep going, yeah. Check it out. So what happens, you'd have these people 
like Stevie Wonder and Ray Parker and friggin', you know, Barry White and, 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 and uh, all, all, certain... Uh, Curtis Mayfield, you know, yeah. Of the, of the Motown people and the Beatles. These people were creating the template. You know, they were not, not that they didn't go back into the 40s with all the greats with, the, with Duke and Count and all that. But I'm saying in popular music nowadays, these people, you know, had the, uh, the they had the, the foundation and they had the, the wall behind them. And so what would happen is that you could come in with these players and these players would have something to play, something great mm. they would have, have to mm. play. And, they, you know, they could add on a little bit of this and that and the other. Um, and so without having all of that... Uh, musical Burt Bacharach created the doggone foundation for these people to come in these orchestras and to, to to you know uh, perform his music along with Hal David. So it's you've got to. I'm coming to this point with what again with what I think he was saying is that in order to aspire to to, to try to do that, and I always call it the business of music. Hmm. Um, you had to have a certain pedigree. You had to have a certain innate, uh, God-given ability, and with any with any luck, be able to run into the right people, um, keep yourself out of trouble, and blah blah blah. So, you know, um, I was thinking about this, and somebody was talking to me about this, almost the same question. And so if I'm off here a little bit... No, you're riffing, dude. You're fine. So, dig it. so I remember when the people were talking about drummers, for instance, with the tip of the hat to Andre, and they were talking about drummers and uh, and this drummer over here and this drummer over here. I said, I, hang on a second, sir. I said, let me stump you here. <laughs> the only reason... The only reason that you know who Mitch Mitchell was or who Ginger Baker was or who Dino Donnelly is or who John Bonham is or whoever is because they had this foundation, this music that people had created that they were a part of. If you don't have a part in the play, your name's not going to be on the, you know, on the, on the theater brochure. I mean, that's how, that's what it is. I love it. No, you nailed it. You just, you're not going to, that's right. The, the, you form part of that organism, but ultimately, <clears throat> I mean, that's the, you just brought I up. Mean, there's people, there's yeah. people, my point was, there's people that nobody's ever fucking heard about right. that, 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 and we'll never hear about them. <laughs> Why? Not because they're not as great as other people. It's because they never had a platform, something where all the people would turn out and they love the songs and they have this whole wonderful, magical sort of thing going. And they are simply one of the players, you know, in the movie. And if you don't have that, it, it, it's no real reflection on how good the person was. It's just that they were never involved. Let me give you an example. I was playing in upstate New York years ago, 
in Ooh. high school. Wow. In high school, Jake. Wait, I mean, like Catskill area? Where were you? Where? What up? What part of state? Lake George. Wow, way Lake up. George. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm up there playing with this group from Florida. Okay, and we're trying to get a break. And um, we had disc, the radio disc jockeys up there in Albany behind us, and you know, just 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 trying to swim through the you know the, the duck pond. You know, just every stroke is a. And I remember one afternoon, some of, we were playing a residency, okay, at this place called the Towers Hall. And I remember um, just giving an example about how how fate works. Um, hmm. The couple of guys in the band came over and said, uh, "Hey, man, have you seen that guy? Such and such, uh, that little guy with the dark hair. Have you ever seen this guy, uh, you know, play?" And I said, "Who are you talking about?" He said, you know, that little guy every night, he's standing off the side of the stage where you are. He's always over there watching, and he's over over here, and he's over here. And I said, yeah, I think I remember. Yeah, I know who he is. He said, you got, we got to go We got to go across the street because he's over there. And uh, we told him it was okay if he jammed around on the instruments and this and that. And let me tell you what. This guy was... Um, he was sitting down on my drums and he was playing all of these syncopations just beautifully. <sighs> playing all all these syncopations. And then he went over and picked up, picked up the guitar and turned the amp on and started playing all of these Beatles songs. All of these Beatles songs. Every chord progression, I mean, it wouldn't have mattered. He knew it, okay? And uh, he's playing some stuff off of Revolver and and uh, and then he gets off of that and goes over and sits on the Hammond B3. There was a B3 set up. And starts playing all of these bluesy, outrageous things and, and singing like Ray Charles. And I was like, Jesus. You can imagine. I, I was like, you're kidding me, right? You're, I mean, this has got to be a, a hallucination. Yeah, right. And when he got <laughs> off that stage, I said, you know, what's your name? And, you know, and then we formally met. I said, where the hell did you learn to play like that? Now, he's just gone through the, all the instruments. And he commences to tell me, oh, I don't really know. My father was the head of the um, state national orchestra of Turkey. And he said, I grew up in that kind of family. My father was the first violinist wow. and all of this stuff. And he was 18 years old. Now, he he never got a break. I mean, I mean, sort of a break I'm coming to. The next thing I knew about Kim, his name is Kim Copley, C-A-P-L-I. I'll never forget it. He's in the books. You can see him under the monkey's first few albums. Unbelievable. Okay. What was the break he got? The break was that somebody from back there asked him to come out to LA and, and record for the first monkey's albums. And he's, and he, so he got a chance to go out there uh, for that kind. Of, that's probably not what he was looking for. You know what I mean? But right. But he, it got him into the scene at least. Yeah. He got, it got him a little bit of recognition for how great he was. Wow. So I said, in finality here, I said, all of these people, I said, 
let's suppose the night that the John Paul Jones and Peter Grant and Jimmy Page all went up to Birmingham to see this band and check out the singer. Suppose the drummer had been sick that night. Or had, suppose he had already decided he had enough of it. That would have been the end of John Bonham's career. That's right. So I said, it's, it's all about, or me, I told him. If I hadn't been that afternoon, my road manager, you know, in the band I was in in Florida, called me up and asked me to come down and jam with Johnny Winter and, you know, John, Johnny Winter. And I said, I didn't even want to do it. I re- said, Dude, the sure. story is epic. You were sweating and furious. You had to wait. You were like, why am I doing this? I'm not a jam guy. Yeah. And then you, but you, but you, you decided fate, you sat there and then, and then, and then the rest is history. That's right. But I'm saying, let's just say he wasn't able to reach me. I know. It wouldn't matter how good some people thought. I always use it that way. That thought, thought I was, or what kind of talent, talent they thought I was. If you're not there, you're not there. And so if you don't have that platform, which is going back to Andre's comments, if you don't have what I think he was talking about is real uh, musical foundation and something that you can show your, let's say you're one last thing. Let's say Jake, you are a a, a classical pianist and I mean a really great classical Mm -hmm. pianist. So just pretend for just a a moment that, uh, you were trying to get uh, some of the some some orchestra to, to, to symphony to, to hire you on because you knew you could play as well as anybody that's in that symphony, but you just couldn't get arrested. That's the same kind of thing because if you can get in that symphony, then you can get people to recognize you and the talent that God has given you. But if you can't get in there. You just sit there and you bang your head against the wall and you tell your girlfriend or your wife, man, I can't believe this. What, I, I went two hours I waited outside the door to, just to speak to the director and he never came out. Mm. So there's a lot of serendipity. There's a lot of serendipity that goes to uh, into all of that stuff. So, Let me, I, so I want I want to just continue this thread for a minute because uh, so do you believe? Even though you're right, you have to show up. You don't know when the, the door is going to open. Then you got to choose whether you want to walk through the door. But in this time that we're in now, like, do you feel you were able to cultivate some content? Because I remember, like, Dwayne and Greg, I mean, when they saw you in New York, and they call you Fire, and right. you got the gig, they were so happy for you because yeah. they knew – that you had been really burning the candle at both ends, but in my mind, you were de- you had the opportunity and the time to develop something to say within the context of the group. Do you think, because of the ADHD, the hyper speed at which we go these days, the the one and done quality of the music industry? I mean, I, you know, to me, it's like all those great artists: Joni Mitchell, James Taylor, Bruce Springsteen. None of them had a radio friendly hit for the first few albums, but the right. label stuck with them. And now either you're in and you hit it or you're done. And I just wonder if you think that there's more, I don't want to say that there are people that are jumping into the water uh, and they, because, and they feel pressure. And so they're oblivious to the fact that they don't even know what's in the water because of the speed of society. Now, do you feel like you had an opportunity 
because the cost of living wasn't that great. Obviously, you were frustrated. You know, eventually you got your break, but do you feel that there was more of an opportunity when you were coming up to actually develop some content to be part you of had. it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, you know the term like attracts like. Yeah. Right? So we're talking metaphysics here. If you decided right now, whatever you wanted to do, Jake, or whatever you wanted to have, I'm going to have a, you know, a, 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 such and such and such and such and such, and that's all you thought about. You talked to your wife about it every day to the point she was so tired of hearing sick and you just <laughs> Shut the fuck hairs, up. You, know, yeah. you know, right? Yeah. And you're saying, no, you don't understand, Janet. <laughs> I've got to have this Bentley. Yeah, I've got to have this such and such. It's not because I'm trying to show off. I just love that car, and I just want to have one, and I'm going to have one. I don't know how I'm going to have it, but I'm going to have it. If you keep thinking about that, something in your mind, in your heart, that you really, really want, and you got to want it, you will attract that. The cosmos will bring it to you. Now, to answer your question, I used to sit around and talk about getting a break with my girlfriend. We'd sit in her driveway in my car and talk for hours. You know, I would talk for hours. <laughs> right, right. She's like, you, yeah, no, I dig, I dig, yeah. Because she knew I had paid my dues. She knew how hard I worked when I played. She knew how many one-nighters I had done, how many times I had driven alone down to these places, and, you know, and drove, drove home at 2 or 3 in the morning. She knew. And she knew that's what I wanted, you know, and that's all I would talk about. So in one sense, uh, you know, in that time period, um, I attracted that opportunity. Okay. I attracted that opportunity. I still had to prove myself, but the, the, the but I had to attract it. Now, the, the one thing that we have to talk about real quick. Yeah, please. Is the opportunity. Right. The music business is shot. Now, I hate to say that. It's true. But it is it is done. And, I mean, I talked to Jimmy Greenspoon from Three Dog Night, the keyboard player. was a very dear friend of mine. Wow, He's yeah, yeah. Now. Yeah. And Jimmy said, we were on the phone one day, and he goes, Bobby? He goes, and your listeners probably don't even know this. He says to me, Three Dog Night's never going to be in the Hall of Fame. I said, what? <laughs> he says, yeah, you can forget it. Never. I, and then he goes on to say, do you know, he says to me, do you know we had 20 top 40 records? 20 top 40 records. I said, well, <laughs> then what's going to stop you? Right. He goes, he, um, he said the, the people, the head of Atlantic, the Atlantic uh, Records people, and apparently when, you know, I said, why? And he said, because when we were putting the band together in L.A., uh, he said that um, all of the record companies came out, and they came out to see us. And we were playing the Troubadour and all these places, and the places were just jammed with people from the industry. And uh, Atlantic was really, really interested. Amen. But we decided not to go with Atlantic 
And we went well, with, uh, what was it? Was Dunhill it ABC or Paramounts or something like that? No, no, no. I think Dunhill? Dunhill. Dunhill, that's right. Dunhill, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he said... Um, then he gets good. They're going to get blackballed because of that. Because he didn't go... He, you were saying Atlantic was still pissed about them not going to Atlantic. That's right. Yeah. I mean, and Jimmy wouldn't be a guy that would be... You know, he, he, he just wouldn't exaggerate or anything. He said, Bobby... He hates us because we never went with him. Unbelievable, dude. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Because I, I just, rest in peace. I, wait, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, please. And, yeah. and I said to him, I said, you shit me, right, Jimmy? He goes, absolutely not. He said, they hate us. He said, it doesn't. I said, how do you dispute all those top ten records? He says, you don't. You can't dispute it. It's, it's pretty self-evident. All you got to do is be around and look at the charts through the years. And, uh, you know, he didn't much care one way or the other. But the point is, um, you know... The, the industry the industry is just... It sunk itself. It really just killed itself. I mean, that's just... The, ho- oppor- yeah. the opportunities of that time period, what we talked about a few minutes ago, from the early 60s, maybe through about mid-75, mm-hmm. where, where record companies... You know, they were the Titans. They were, uh, you know, uh, they were the they were the whole deal. Getting a record deal was the whole end game. Uh, whether it was right or wrong, that's what people thought. Oh, I got to get a record. Oh, we signed a deal. You know, we get we get to do uh, you know one forty five single in ten years. We get to do <laughs> or something ridiculous. And so, you know, those opportunities. There is a think about it. In order to have, I don't want to, I don't want to filibuster here, but I got to tell you this. Go ahead, baby. Check this out. In order to become a uh, recording success, I'm not even going to use the word star. A recording success. What do you got to have? <clears throat> well, you've got to have um, a, a recording company, somebody who's got money. That's going to pay for you to record on the promise that you'll pay them back and blah, blah, blah. The next thing you have to have is you have to have record stores in order to sell your product and every other other person who's recording. Absolutely. So they can sell them. So you've got to have record stores. The third thing you've got to have, you got to have radio stations that will play your product and get people out to the people so they can hear it, blah, blah, blah. blah. All of those three essential elements are, by and large, gone. Absolutely correct. So, so where do you, I mean? So where does the young cat even go to? De- I mean, I don't know, man. Like they're not going anywhere. I mean, I yeah. Well, no, because I mean, the other thing is like you were in high school and you were already in upstate New York pl- gigging. I mean, cats. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ahmad Jamal joined the union at ten years old. Mike Clark was sitting in the Texas bar with his dad next to him when he was nine years old. I mean, things also, I mean, a lot of the grease and the magic and the timing came out of these, you know, these serendipitous hangs, uh, you know, I mean, and I'm not saying, I mean, mothers against drunk driving. I understand. Like it was, they closed, you know, they, people were getting slaughtered on the way home and stuff, but it was just like, you know, there was just, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, so what is your, I mean, being being somebody who's an intergalactic cat like yourself, I mean, 
And for me, I mean, yeah, I'm this. I'm just trying to disseminate using new media, transcribing, putting it in print, audio. I'm trying to do all these different things to diversify, and I'm fine with it. I'm a one man band. But yeah. when it comes to cats who are hungry, who ultimately want to be one living, breathing organism on the bandstand, just throw the roadmap away. What is the Captain Beyond sort of wisdom for these younger cats? Well. Okay, so I'll just answer it in this way. Yeah. The, the, if you're in Phoenix or Tucson, Tucson, wherever, yeah, is, yeah. It, is it Phoenix? You're yeah, I'm in Tucson, but yeah, Phoenix, you know, same state. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Same difference. <clears throat> if you're in if you're in Tucson, you got to ask yourself, how many places are here that are quality places to play? Absolutely correct. I mean, there's it, I can, and, and yeah. I, I don't, you don't need to even give me the answer because I know the answer. The answer is none. Well, there, I can count it on one hand. That's for sure. Well, yeah. But when I say none, I mean relative. To a, absolutely correct. Okay. So you got to have places to play. It, I mean, it, 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 you know, it, 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 you have to have places to play, and they're almost uh, extinct. I mean, they're, they're almost extinct. So now here's what you've got. You know, you've got this uh, great jazz uh, keyboard player, Phenom, you know, and uh, he's able to make uh, a few recordings. Uh, has anybody heard of him? No, because there's I mean, no radio nobody, stations. Nobody, no, yeah. They don't even know who he is. Right. That's, and, that, that's and a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. He's got, a, he's got a few records out. So because the industry that used to support live music... The record companies would support it. You know, they would uh, they would back them up all the time, and uh, you know, create this great uh, this, this great sidebar, uh, 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 this magic. You know, such and such got a new album out, and they're coming to this. You know, they're coming to uh, Tempe Stadium or, or whatever. All of that's all of that's gone. So, I mean, I'm not sure. Truthfully, this is what forces people out. This is what forces them out mm -hmm. because there is no place to play. Basically, it's too expensive to go on the damn road. Uh, I mean, I haven't given up, but I'm just saying I run into it, too. Well, I can tell you that, like, you know, uh, a few things here, but um, road dogging it today is not glamorous. And at the end of the day, you have to. Stay out for probably, you can go for two weeks, take maybe a couple days off, another two. You have to go out for a month in order to make an, sell enough merchandise at the merch table in order to actually make a little bit of dough to come home and support your family. A month. You're not making yeah. any money off the gigs. You're, not, you're only making money off merch. And you're driving in a sprinter van. And you know if you're probably not staying at the most, you know you're not. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, at least at least I, I recently found out my favorite band. They actually do get hotels for the night, which is amazing. I, who cares what it is? I mean, they're not sleeping yeah. in the van, but it's just like I, I don't know. Um, I I wanted to ask you. This is something I wanted to ask you about because you talk, it just leads into what we've been we've been riffing on. Is just <clears throat> I remember Alex Litcherwood from. Uh, yeah, the yeah, yeah, incredible. So, he was in so many bands, but the 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 Brian Auger's Oblivion Express, which right. which was so similar, and you know, Captain Beyond, different vibe, but I mean, same time period. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, but but uh, in the mid seventies, they found out that this station in Cleveland was 
absolutely obsessed with the Oblivion Express. They thought they were all black cats, and then they wound up. So they were getting all this regional airplay. Then oh, they wound. Really? Then they wound up going there, and then going to parties. Greg Allman. It was just. Did did any of your albums take off in different regional pockets of and of the country, and also like. How long were the engagements you had? Because that's the other thing now is that everything's like, you know, 24 gigs and 26 nights where I remember the late great Mike Finnegan, I mean, in the surfs within his old band, they might be at a at an upholstered sewer for a month. Yeah. Did you have long engagements like uh, yeah, that? I, I absolutely. There, there's always pockets where for some unknown reason uh, that everyone in that region loves you. <laughs> Or everyone in that region, uh, you, you know, you thought somebody had yelled fire. <laughs> you, you dude, you love, love you hate, dude. Saying? Oh, man. You, you can't find these. You can't find a damn soul out there. Well, well we've sold 18 tickets. And you're going, what? What? And, uh, and so this is, a, this is a situation that happens, you know, to everybody. And there's places where, you know, you, you have a real strong... For some reason, I'll give you another example. Yep. The Allman Brothers, um, they really couldn't get arrested in Europe. They just they just didn't have... In Europe, that's remark- That's amazing. Yeah, go ahead. That's more than amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you would think uh, the friggin' Rolling Stones had just pulled into uh, New York City because they were so successful in the New York, greater New York area. That it was unbelievable. I mean, just it really was. And it was just because certain areas of certain places, you know, just really. Uh, well, and they, they, I mean, they probably were playing their music a lot in, at radio, in, on radio stations around there. Yeah. And, but that cult following, you know. Right. You, if you build that up, you know, even if no one's talking about it on the radio you're pretty sure that they're all going to turn up you know so it's uh i dig so was tell me the cult where in the country was the cult following for captain beyond uh it was probably in my apartment (laughs) (laughs) dude man don't holy (laughs) that's jake feinberg right there man i love this dude (laughs) the the uh the the areas i mean i can tell you we were um, we didn't get enough of a chance to break the New York area, unfortunately, uh, because I think we could. Captain Beyond was and always was huge in the Midwest. Hmm. Now, if you ask me why or what do I attribute to, I have no idea. No idea. But the Midwest listener, I will say, tell you this: are very discerning, like lot they are. They're they're very they're a little bit like uh, Texas audiences. I mean, if they like you, believe me, they like you. I, I did, but, it, but if they don't, <laughs> you better find a way out of town. And, so you were going through, you were playing like Chicago, Milwaukee, Detroit kind of thing, or or everywhere, yeah, everywhere. The, and up and down the East Coast, we were really big in Texas. We were huge, huge in Texas. Jeez, um, that's great. And so, it, you know, there was, and and then there was places, like I said, that, uh, you know, it was a very light turnout or, uh, and that's just, that's just the way it is. I mean, you know, almost with everybody, unless it's, uh, 
you know, uh, freaking Rolling Stones or somebody that you just uh, yeah. Right, no, I dig. I I mean, yeah. did did you did you feel like you played some of your your best gigs in front of three people? <laughs> Uh, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, because the jazzers would talk about that. I mean, guys that play with like Gene Harris and stuff, they're, they're like, dude, yeah. we played some of our best shows and there was three people in the crowd. You well, know? there's nobody there but the bartender. That's right. <laughs> I mean, and that's that's fine. Um, you know, as long as you're getting treated right and, you know, uh, and the people that are promoting the show don't, don't take it, put it against you because sometimes, you know, they'll say, you know, well, you know, the... Tom Ellis Trio, you know, they, they brought in nobody. We lost lots of money. Well, that's all it's about today, man. That's all it's about is the bottom line, man. That that's yeah. that's you know, so Bobby, uh, I got we got to do this is only part, point half of part two because I I I have to go pick up my my daughters right now. But I want I I, I want to ask you um, this final question is that yeah, when you're playing music and I don't care if it's in front of a packed house or three people. Can you talk about how that vibration, that sonic vibration and energy allows you to con- strengthen the bonds of lineage with the spirits that you have come, that were you before, the reincarnated spirits? I'm not sure I understand the question. Well, like, um, I mean, like with Jimmy, like, or, or like, like. Okay, let me, let, yeah. let me say it like this. Without exception, and I mean your your listeners much much uh, must believe me. Okay, yeah, absolutely, I, I, dude. I I believe you, man. Okay, everyone has been here on the Earth plane many times. That's the opening sentence. Many many times. This is why when you meet certain people, you don't know why. Yep, you don't even know that person. But you just think there's some something special about them. You just really like to talk to them, and you, they make you laugh, and they're smart, and, or it's a girl and she's attractive, and you can't figure out why am I so infatuated with her? You know, and this is because you probably have known this person before, and that's okay. But many of these people that we have talked about in the music business. They've all been somebody in music before. Right. Okay? If I were to tell you who I was in one lifetime, I can't, but it would just it would just sound too brag, braggadocio. I can't do it. But if I were to tell you who I was, it, it, everything would make sense to you. Everything no, I mean, it, I, you, so, the, so I, I'm with... So what, wait a yeah. minute, Jake. Go ahead. What I'm saying, yeah. it's, not the, it, it's not any different... Then when we were talking about Jimmy as a genius, a musical genius, Jimi Hendrix, or Stevie Wonder, or many of these other people, this isn't the first time they've come through here and they were a musician. This is who they are, see? And so they just are here in another time and place. And there's such a thing as called something, if somebody invented some kind of music called rock and roll, uh, I like it. I think I'm going to learn how to play that, you know, mm. they're in high school. See, that's, that's, that's all it, it, that's all it is. So many of the people that you admire, really admire, because you can tell, the, you know, there's real, there's good and there's greatness and they're not the same. And when you see them and you say, this, this person is 
we're talking greatness here. Uh, they have been somebody that you already known before. Wow. Without a doubt. Well, without I, I mean, doubt. I can honestly say it makes total sense, but it's unquantifiable. So you can't measure it with, well, I'm sure you could actually, but when you play that, when you play spiritually with other people, does that strengthen the bonds of this, of this lineage that, how do you, I don't know how to answer that. I know, I know. I'm just trying to say like, what, like, because to me, people are going to be, oh, that's way too far out, Bobby. You know, what are you talking? Like, uh, you know, give me a break. You You said, you 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 said it though. You said, you said Jimmy, you said he was, it was more than just him being a ridiculous player. He came and he was a master. He, he, a he master. introduced Sonic the so, the sound to people, which made him like Beethoven. So it was very clear that 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 you know. But but this is so. I just want to put, put a button on this. I'm not going to p- release this yet. Next week, let's just try to find an, another time to do another. We'll devote Absolutely. it all to this. All right, and then we'll okay. all right, and we'll just keep cooking Absolutely. away. Much love yeah, to you, I, man. I I, I know. Yeah. Listen, I I just want to figure out a way for other people to not have some knee-jerk reaction about it because my whole existence at this point is what you're talking about. It's in the intergalactic, and it's trying to make these connections of unquantifiable lineage. Well, if you, listen, Jake, if you've got a real interest in, metaf- in, in the, what we're talking about, uh, past lives, metaphysics, yeah. and, and stuff like this, I can tell you, I can, I can enlighten you uh, about some things that I think would be right down your alley, and I'm telling you, your your hair will be straight up. I mean, I mean it. Well, the, no, the, 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 we're just going to spend the next installment on that, okay? Okay. No. So if, if you, I believe in closing, I asked you if you happen to run over, bears re- repeating, uh, somebody in the managerial area, uh, that's what I'm looking for, or a booking agent for Captain Beyond, uh, that's what I'm looking for right at the moment. So if through any of these people that you've happened to spoke to, if anything uh, can be gleaned, there's a good word. Uh, gleaned. Yeah, I, I will. I, I have one in, one thing in mind, and I will work my 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 sources on that. And ask your friend. Okay, terrific. And ask uh, Andre if uh, I will ask him if you can reach out to him. Absolutely, I would love that. Yeah, absolutely. Tell him I'm a big R and B fan. I, and, uh, uh, he probably knows uh, who you are. Yeah, no. It, it, uh, let me, uh, yeah, let me work on that, man. It's it's so okay. good to hear you, man. Thank you for giving me some voltage today. Absolutely. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your afternoon, and uh, you're going to call contact me right about next week. Absolutely, we'll get it together. Yeah. Oh, okay. Pat. Yeah. Much right, love, God man. Bless. Yeah. Be okay. cool, man. Later. All right. Cheers. Bye, folks. Welcome back to the Jake Feinberg Show, and uh, always straddling time <clears throat> and figuring out. Ways to recalibrate through spirits that have that are here and have also left this planet. Uh, I get a chance today to speak to an amazingly cosmic person, an incredible musician, somebody who's vacillating with time on a consistent basis. Captain Beyond, Bobby Caldwell, welcome back to the Jake Feinberg Show. Well, thank you very much, Jake. Good to be here. It's good to hear you, man. You know... Um, I just want to read you this quote and then uh, have you sort of extrapolate on it. This is uh, from um, an interview I did with uh, Jim Messina from Loggins and Messina, you know, uh, Buffalo yeah. Springfield. He said, uh, 
And he was talking one time in the studio with uh, Milt Holland. I don't know if you ever got to meet Milt. Uh, great percussionist, studio cat. He said, um, he, <clears throat> I said, he, this is Jim, quoting Jim. He goes, I said to him once, Milt, I'm having such a hard time with time. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm rushing. He said, Jimmy, you've got to look at time like driving a car. I said, what do you mean? He said, imagine the steering wheel was sitting out there on the front bumper. You were driving a car and you're looking down on the double, at the double line. You're driving along. Do you think you could stay on the road easier if you were up front where you could really see the road? Or if the steering wheel was really back in the trunk actually looking over the car? I said, well, I think sitting right up front where I could really see it. He said, that's fine until there's a curve. If you don't see the curve coming, you'll fall off the road. He said, if you're standing on the back of the car and you're looking down the road and you can see it's going to turn, you know you're going to be going to the left and you're not going to go off the road. He said, you've got to look at time that way. Time is coming at you. You're not moving with it. It's coming at you. Let it come to you. Don't try to go to it. Free associate on that. Do you agree with that statement in terms of, uh, you know, time is coming at you? You're not moving with it. It's coming at you. Let it come to you. Don't try to go to it. Love to get your your opinion on that. Um. Well, let's see. Of course, the fact that it's all based on perception, anyway. Right. So what one person may um, perceive, uh, the person sitting next to him would not necessarily perceive it that way. Um, How do you perceive it? I I don't ever really worry about it until I'm out of it. So <laughs> when I'm out of time, then I know I have a problem. <laughs> right. Just, um, no, I, I feel that uh, that we're moving through it. And, uh, you know, the, um, um, you know, the whole thing, the, the whole thing becomes a relative and, uh, you know, that's why we have, um, that's why we have, uh, parallel realities, um, for instance, many of these people that um, uh, disappear, they just vanish. Um, and for instance, the uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the flyers off of Florida that disappeared back in 1940s. Uh, there was a whole group of them flying together. Right. I don't know. I'm not hip to it. Please, please explain. Well, I don't know. They 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 took off uh, from an airfield down in Fort Lauderdale or somewhere, and they got up out over the Atlantic Ocean, and uh, all of a sudden, they completely lost track of where land was or where they were in relationship to where they just had taken off from 45 minutes earlier. Hmm. And then finally, 
they um, no longer were, no, nobody could find them. And so uh, they, they actually slipped into this, uh, this parallel reality is what it was. And there's places, you know, that there are these, they're like portals. And, you know, you could end up in some place that you have no idea where you are. Right. And uh, many people do that on Friday, Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. No, I mean, that, that, so can you get there? But these portals can be accessed without getting inebriated, too. Absolutely, no, yeah. absolutely, that was, that part was... Uh, yeah, it was, okay. I know, tongue-in-cheek, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, the, uh, the the disappearance, you know, and the uh, the persons that were flying those crafts are now eternally separated from, the, you know, their wife, their job, their kids, wherever they were, because they're in a whole other place. So, when you start talking about um, time and um, your existence in relationship to it, um, you know we're talking um, we're talking some very complicated uh, sort of issues with it. So, well, I'd like you <laughs> astrologically uh, uh, from from an astronomical point of view, I mean, can you talk about, you know... That astrological, then you said astronomical, which one do you mean? I, I mean the one that you got the degree in. Okay, uh, okay, mine's, mine's a degree in metaphysics. In, in meta, So, in meta, in, in, can you talk about how, you know, where you were at in terms of the recognition of time before you entered the academy for a degree in metaphysics and then what truths were revealed to you about uh, the multidimensional aspects of time afterwards? How did your concept of t time change? You know, that, that is the fantastic question. I, it's, it's, I wish it was that simple. I know, um, I, I know. I, you d just do your best. I mean, just riff on well, it. Well, I don't even know if I can do it. I mean... Um, you don't go into this um, with a basic, uh, how should I say, um, black or white. Right, uh, absolutely. If you go through this room, uh, this will happen. You know, if you go through that room, that will happen. And so, you know, it's not, it, it's, it, it's not, uh, it, it doesn't play out like that. Everything is energy. Everything. And energy is doing what all the time? It's moving. Moving. It's always moving. fluid. Every time. All, you know. And so, um, you know, the, the cosmos or however you, you know, wanted to talk about, um, everything is connected. But it doesn't appear to be connected. But everything is connected. Uh, your neighbor down the street is connected to you. You know, the right. person over here. Um, even people that you're thinking, my God, you know, don't tell me I'm connected to him. <laughs> you know. 
know? I dig, man. No, I, I but okay, go yeah, ahead. But, Continue. But you are. Yeah, yeah, no, I dig. Yeah. And so you're connected to everything is connected to everything. Um, and, uh, you know, in time, there you go, um, <laughs> things will be, um, you know, much uh, more revealed. You know, the, uh, it's going to get into the weeds for some people, but as an example, you know, we've been going back and forth to these planets for years. That's, that's not fiction. We've been going back and forth to the moon and to friggin' Mars, to all of these places. And um, it, it's well documented, you know. I mean, there is a place, I'll give you an example, there is a place that um, I heard a fellow talking about where you, you know, get on the elevator and when you get off the elevator, you're in Australia. And you're thinking, well, are you serious? That's a, no, that's not possible. <laughs> well, it is possible. It's the same thing with going to um, these wormholes that take you to other places in, you know, um, well, it would take you about 20 minutes to get to the moon, actually, if you knew how to do it. So, you know, all of these things are, everything is connected, everything is energy, and everything is knowing how to do it. How do I go about doing this? And uh, so it, it, uh, it's an interesting field. Well, how talk a little bit about, in your own personal experience, how you cultivated the ability to get into a wormhole and get to certain places, whether you were conscious or not of it. Because, I mean, to me, it's like, this is not black and white. It's not, I mean, you could, there's tons of books about this kind of stuff. But the practical application of it um, can seem uh, completely overwhelming for the layperson. But the, how did you cultivate your own life force to get into one of these uh, possibilities, these portal possibilities? Well, you know, it's, it's it's all a learning expedition, isn't it? I mean, you're you're you you. For me, um, when I tell people the story, when I was a child, uh, I mean, a, a small child, four years old, five years old. Um, I always wanted to be. Uh, I'd always be looking up at the stars. I was always looking at the stars, always looking at the stars. And um, I wanted to be an astronomer. And I wanted to study whatever that is going on out there. I need to get closer to it. Mm. And so it was a, for me, it was a, uh, deliberate attempt to um, get 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 go, walk through get through as many doors as I could you know to learn as much as I could and to separate um, you know sort of speak the wheat from the chaff to, to be able to separate the the uh, phonies and the, the this and that and and to be I used right to, the charlatans to the really the real deal yeah right 
uh, and I used to look at the back of my comic books. <laughs> I can remember as well as I look at the back of my comic books, and you know, you know how they would have the send off for the decoder ring. Oh, of course, yeah. All that stuff. And uh, if you've got it, if you've got an extra ten cents, we have a a, a submarine that you can stuff with uh, bicarbonate soda, stuff it in the hole, and it'll float. Or you know, in the bathtub, and all these kinds of things. But they also would have pictures of these UFOs, and I would look at those pictures. Pictures, Jake. I never. I mean, I never even thought twice about it. Right. I knew they were real. Right. I mean, I knew they were real as, as, as if you asked me, hey, is that a car going down the street? Never thought anything about it, ever. Um, nor did I think it was fiction or fantasy. I just knew it was. Right. So, you know, my journey has just been, um, you know, studying learning as much as I could uh, about where we live, you know, uh, in the cosmos. Um, but as far as, like, I mean, this is so fascinating because learning, studying, okay, let's just take the musical application of it. <clears throat> Today's world is so different fundamentally for musicians that they do a lot of learning and studying and woodshedding, yet, in fact, the real application is on the bandstand. And so, like, can you talk, so none of this stuff was, it, it, you never felt the need to have to explain this stuff to people or convince people that it was real. It was something that was a grounded truth inside of you from the minute that you were into that interstellar space, so to speak, and as it relates to extraterrestrial life, planetary, being able to move between planets. So I'm just trying to figure out, like, you have a degree, right? But again, I rail, I mean, grading, G-R-A-D-I-N-G, grading is actually grating, G-R-A-T-I-N-G. It's very great. So how would you know in, in a metaphysical degree for Bobby Caldwell that you, like, outside of reading and studying, actually putting yourself into a situation where you're getting to, to you're, you're doing the elevator to Australia. Maybe not exactly that thing, but can you talk about a specific thing that happened to you that you can reinforce to the people that are going to listen to this, that this is completely real? I'm not quite sure your question. Uh, well, you talked about the guy who said, go up the elevator, you open it, you're in Australia. If you know how to get to the moon, it will take you 20 minutes. Talk to me yeah. about something you did in an experimentation, or you cultivated it to get to a point when you experienced one of those things. No, it's 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 it's, it's something for me. It's just something that I've uh, I've been drawn to. Okay, I've just been drawn to it. I I have not experienced it, but I have been drawn to it to where the best way I can say it is. If there's something presented to you, uh, let's say you're with your wife and there's something presented to you, uh, and you two look at each other with, you know, your eyes wide open, you're like, excuse me? Right. But you knew what you just heard was true. 
So it's a resonance, not resonance, but resonance mm. that you follow. Wow. Wow. Right? I did. So you, you, you know, um, man, I keep there was a UFO over top of the house where we live a year ago, right overhead. Get, okay. Okay. Let's talk. So that, and, and okay, go Did you, it was that resonance and you felt it. Talk a little bit about how that, that whole experience. Well, it wasn't easy complicated. I mean, uh, I walked out, uh, one night and I was sort of, you know, just looking at different, the different directions. And it was a, a very beautiful night. And all of a sudden, Vicky says, wow, what is that? <laughs> and I turned and looked straight up. And there was this massive UFO overhead momentarily. It didn't want to sit there and let us study it too long momentarily. Wow. And I said to Vicky, I said, well, that's a UFO. She goes, oh, I know. I said, darn, I said, I wish that thing had sat still for a while. Uh, you know, because they can disappear at will and like turning off a light switch. But I knew it was there. I mean, uh, you know, it's just that simple. I mean, it's other people that have problems with these things, you see. Um, and uh, uh, I mean, I've actually run, I actually ran in, uh, that's the wrong word, to an extraterrestrial out on this trail one afternoon. And uh, he, you know, he had accidentally had been dropped off here by his partners <laughs> where he's supposed to have been dropped off in Indochina because that's what he sort of looked like. He oh, sort of looked wow. almost like, uh, you know, that so where he would fit in really good. And he didn't fit in good where I encountered him. So all of these things are just things that, if it resonates with you, you could tell me something. You say, Bobby, I'm going to tell you something. This is unbelievable. And you, and you could say, I don't know how, uh, how I know it's true, but I'm telling you it's true. I saw it. You know what I'm saying? I mean. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, you know, have you ever seen a whole a whole guard of soldiers walk through a room, across the room, or walk through the the, far, the the other side of the room and through the wall. So, you know, you you de you you decide what it's all, it is like music, though. Not to segue into this. But no, go ahead, man. I love this. Well, it is like music because when you hear certain people play, you may even know what know what they're playing. But it resonates with you because it's speaking to you. That's right. Now, it's the same thing with any of this phenomena or any of these things that are going on or whatever. It's all about something that you know. You know, Tesla was trying out all of these different electrical experiments Uh which Thomas Edison, by the way, pretty much stole from him. Uh, I don't want to get in, buddy. It's okay. You don't have to. But that's what happened. That's that's what happened. He pretty much stole it from uh, Tesla. And uh, Tesla knew 
he knew that you you know this this uh, substance this stuff called electricity uh, could be used worldwide. Didn't cost anything. It's very simple. Uh, and there was nothing you could have conv- you know you couldn't convince him otherwise because he already saw it. He felt it, you know, and he you know he experienced it. So. Um, yeah, it's 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 just it's it's just that that resonance of knowing. You you can tell me something sometime, and I would go, yeah, I get it, Jake. I know, and, you know, because it 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 feels it feels right. Um, Let me ask you a question. In our Judeo Christian society, we're sort of taught we're really taught not to feel. Uh, and so I'm just thinking back to the nonprofit that I work at in the warehouse and every day I'm recycling. I mean, the amount of donations we get from the community in terms of media is stunning records, books. So I'm throwing away, I'm not throwing away. I'm, I'm, I'm turning, I'm, I'm putting them in the recycle bin to turn them into pulp. And I just see all of this stuff that we've been talking about and it's referred to as sci-fi science fiction right okay now explain the dogma behind this ability this idea of turning away from feeling and just sort of tamping it down and saying it just can't pop-. like where you were saying i could come to you with a story and you'd be like jake i believe you because it, it the res the resonance has been there for so long since you were right. staring at the stars Right. At four years old, why is our is our society in particular? I know that there are some countries in the East that are. I, I can stop you. I can tell you right now. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, it, it's a four letter word called fear. Let's go deeper on that. Well, it's fear. Everything, everything is about fear here on the Earth. Right. The Earth is about judgment and fear. That's right. Everybody judges something. And then if they don't like it or this or that, then they're fearful of it. Everything is fear, whether it's fear of not being loved enough, not fear of having enough money, not fear of being smart enough, so not fear of being pretty or beautiful enough, not fear. Everything is fear. So it's a whole lot easier to say, well, you know, we've got some nut jobs over here because uh, they're fearful of it. Nobody can accept anything uh, unless they can see it. Which is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Exactly. Right. I, I had, well, I guess I should reveal this part. Um, I had a, 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 a client one time, and uh, I was just telling this person this story the other day, and she was a staunch disbeliever in anything she couldn't see. So she didn't believe in apparitions or ghosts and uh, all of that stuff. And I, I'm just talking to her, and I, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, and <laughs> she, she's saying, oh, you know, all that stuff is nonsense, you know, of course. And I finally got a point where I, I stepped in and I said, um, Marilyn, I said, uh, let me ask you a question. I said, do you go to church on Sunday? And she says, yes. Of course I do. I said, okay, great. I said, uh, when you go to your church, uh, do you pray to God, you know, while you're there? Or do you pray to Jesus or whomever? 
And I figured what she says, but she said, well, of course I do. And I stopped her and I said, great. When's the last time you saw Jesus? Hmm. Right? Right. So she did actually believe in things that she couldn't see. That's exact. You, you, that is, wow. So. Right. She was stunned. It's selective belief, I guess. In some cases, right? It's, sele- it's, well, it's, it's selective belief. But it's also fear. Yeah, it's the dogma that's been built into P. I, I, I dig it. I dig it. Right. I can't see it, so it must be evil. I don't know. Let's see. Except I go to church and I believe in Jesus Christ and I've seen him. You know, that's, there, there you go. Yeah, but the fear is what's driving the, the fear is what's driving the disbelievers. Well, let's just go, I, I want to be very clear. The fear of being so vulnerable to not knowing anything. To not knowing what we don't know, right? I mean, that's what you're getting. At. I think that's part of it. Yeah, yep. you know, it's uh, it, it, you, you know, there was a huge, uh, and I don't want to go back to UFOs or ATs for, but go ahead. There was a there was a huge. Um, uh, are you in the Phoenix or Tucson area? Tucson. Okay, but you remember back April '97, there was a massive UFO story over the whole valley that came down. Do you remember this story? It, well, you know, I, 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 this was a pre-Jake Feinberg in, 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 uh, in, in Arizona, but go ahead. So, so it, was in the, it was in the Phoenix area, most likely. Yes, it was. Yeah. It was and, and it's still referred to as the Phoenix Lights, even now. If you look yeah, I do rem- I remember. I was in college, but yeah, go ahead. Well, that's it. And there, there was this enormous... Doggone UFO! I mean, I mean, so so big that it actually blacked out the stars behind it as it moved through. Oh my god! And, and uh, all these people saw it. I mean, the whole friggin' town of uh, Phoenix and all the surrounding areas, <laughs> right. Scottsdale's all—they all saw it. If they were out, I actually talked to a lady uh, who was out having a barbecue with her husband that night, and she said they saw it. And uh, but. What happened? You know, people denied there was everything there. And it, it was like insane. They didn't interview all these people. And they were, the guy was saying, yeah, I saw it right over, my, right over my house. And the people, all my point is, is that the people that did not want to admit, you know, that there was something like that going on is fear. That's it's You're nailing it. Fear. You're nailing it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a, this is to answer your question on science fiction and all these different things where people, you know, uh, don't let it in because they are just uncertain as to, you know, what it's going to do, uh, you know, on, uh, you know, Monday night when they were planning on watching The Voice or something. You you know, know, so, so, okay, so let's just, I want to do some, this is so interesting. Uh, even though you had this, this inherent grounded trust in this uh we call phenomena but you know the truth so to speak for those people that are that just want to avoid it and watch the voice or watch you know some sort of cable television news and numb out what's on the other side for them if they are completely vulnerable to to unexplained but totally real stuff, not just UFOs, but just what's, what's the benefit to the evolution of the human 
Because everything is spiritual growth. Everything. Everything. So you're here because you're here to learn something, right. my friend. Right. And so is everybody else. And if, you know, you don't get it, I'll give you an example. If a person is, is here and one of the reasons that they're here is, to, you know, is to learn ABCD. Now, you know ahead of time before you even come in here that you're going to, you know, be presented with these situations. You're getting presented with situations all the time, uh, Jake. Right. And you don't you don't uh, you don't put it together, but you're thinking, oh "My God, are you serious?" Here's the, the same damn thing that happened. That, that, now here it is, right here. Hmm. If you don't get it and understand what it is you're supposed to understand, I'm trying to say the cos the, the cosmos will give it to you again. God, the Creator, will give it to you again in a different format, something that you can really you know finally go. Oh man, that's I was I see I but you may not even connect it with the last five times that it was given to you so that you could learn from it, right? Mm -hmm. You could, could be tripping over a homeless person on the sidewalk, and years and years and years, you know, you ignored them or scoffed at them or whatever it was, but you were here in order to be benevolent to assist them. And so it wasn't until that one afternoon that you ran across this one particular woman who was a genius. And she started talking to you. And the more she talked, you know, the more your hair stood on end. Hmm. And you're thinking, my God, are you serious? And so all of this is presented of God's grace to, to help everyone uh, fulfill their mission and to do what they're supposed to do. And by the way, most of the people, um, I don't want to get too into here, but most of the people that are um, uh, coming in and out here on the earth plane, I mean, you know, you see a lot of people leaving. Um, yes. Right? Yes. And most of those people, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a there's a, a trigger that I don't want to go into on the phone, but there's also an agreement that these people know that it's time for them to go at a certain point, and it's all a part of the plan. And uh, so uh, you know, you usually leave. You usually leave when you have learned everything you're supposed to learn. When that's complete, you're out of here. Jeez, well, what's this, what's well, you don't need to go to the fair next year. I mean, you know what I mean? It's, no, it's I, I mean, I'm just relating it to my best friend who was 10 years older than me and uh, uh, tragically lost his life. He was the most brilliant dude I've ever met. He was only in his early 50s. He was a planetary scientist, decorated, had no ego. Uh, but what you just said just put chills on the back of my spine. He he was a, a loss from what I believe to be the initial strain of COVID and because uh, he was healthier than me. It didn't make any sense, but right. the now man was just so... Be he, was, uh, he already had completed a, a lifetime in, in only 50 years. I mean, it was really... It was it, what you just said. <clears throat> so, so, 
we're going to spend, I, I want to do another session on the afterlife or past, uh, when people do check out what is happening on the other side. I do, yeah. I do, before we wrap this session, Bobby, I, you know, I was curious, you know, I, I, I'm wondering if you ever crossed paths with Wayne Shorter. No, I didn't. Never, I didn't. Sh- never saw. Did you see Weather Report? I just wonder what. what yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I know Wayne. I know his work very well, and he's a far out guy. Yeah, I, he he he's exact. He would be into this conversation hard. Yeah, he he was a he was a very advanced soul, and uh, he used to bring up a lot of things. I'm sure to his fellow musicians. Uh, that thought he had perhaps lost his mind. (laughs) No, I mean, that's what I was thinking about with you. Like when you're hanging out with Derringer and the winter brothers and, you know, although I think Dwayne did, did some of them look a little bit askance at you when you were so grounded Uh, in in this group? No, because at that time, Mm -hmm. um, at that time I wasn't, uh, I wasn't talking a whole lot about this uh, this subject. I did. You were just you were called fire because you were living the this the, you were in this burn. Yeah, it was it was the way I play, and that's right. why they right. called fire. Dead. But I wasn't talking about uh, reincarnation and spiritual, uh, you know, metaphysical, uh, you know, advancements and what the world is really about and why are you here? Right, right, right. Right. Yeah, I, I was talking more about, hey, who's that girl in the third row down there? You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get her backstage it was, after the gig. You know, it was yeah, yeah. it was just it was the timing. You know, I did no, I, I mean, but but okay, let's go back to Wayne though. I mean, uh, he he would say stuff people thought would think he lost his mind, but he was proje- he was an astral projecting cat. You know, but you okay. you yep. know, yep. and at eighty nine, you look at him and you feel like. He had, this was his time to go. He had learned everything he needed to, to That's know. right. Yeah. That is correct. And the same with your buddy who was in the astronomy. Yeah, yeah. He had, he was a very advanced soul, and he had come in here in order to show other people the way through his brilliance. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, yeah. man. Your na- I mean, this is giving me chills. Because it does, you know, people will sit here friends of ours and still grieve and say, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know why. And, and I knew him well enough. Our daughters were friends. And I always was just like, this guy's already completed his life. You know, yeah, like this particular yeah. go round. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, th- th- in this life he has, I don't want mastery. He just, he has shown us the way he is. Show, he continues to show us the way, but at that time, and it's not giving me, that's the other thing. People want solace or they want closure, but it's not about that. It's about what is really going on in this multidimensional. Well, and it's, the, the, see, and the other part is um, people think that there's no such thing as death. That's the thing that people can't get through their thick heads. There is no death. You're just shifting from one reality in simple terms to another. Right. That's that's all you're doing. So, I mean, I've had so much activity at my house. It would blow your mind. I mean, I, I've just uh, musicians visiting, you know, coming through and, and uh, you know, people sitting on the couch and 
my jukebox starting up out of nowhere. Yeah, dude. I'm, dude, I am so happy to have connected with Captain Beyond, dude. Because, you know, I'll see stuff just fly by my face, ghost, paranormal. I mean, it's it's totally active. But, I mean, you've leaned into this for decades. So now it's just like, it's just it's just moving. It's just all energy at this point. When people say, uh, you know, uh, oh, I heard that, you know, Ralph died or, you know, whatever it is. Ralph didn't really die. Mm-hmm. Ralph just left that particular... Uh, physical casing and he's gone off to review what he accomplished and uh, he'll, you know mo- I'll tell you another astonishing thing most of the people that we uh, meet we've already met them before we already knew them in another time hands down we already knew them in another time yes. and, you can, and you can tell you can tell. You can tell. Not everybody, but you can tell when you meet people, and you say to yourself, "My God, I don't know who that woman is, but I feel like I know her." I, I mean, I don't know how I know her, but I know her. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and that's that's because you probably do know her, and that you have already, uh, you know, met her, experienced things, talked to her in another lifetime. And all of that kind of stuff, because everyone tends, and remember this, in families, in groups of families, they tend to incarnate basically at the same time. Okay? So when you meet people like an Italian family, Jewish family, Greeks, or whoever the hell, uh, and there's a family of six people. Most of those people in that family already know each other. Right. They knew each other before they ever came in here. That's right. The only difference is uh, Vinny, the son, at that time was the father. And the mother was his sister, you know, or his little brother or little girlfriend or whatever it is. Everybody's coming. They come in and they call, they're called soul clusters and they tend to come in together. So they're all learning going through the journey separately but together does that make any sense absolutely it does but i want so next let's just do another session next week on past previous life past life and ultimately the misunderstanding of of death because i think that this is uh we'll give it in sort of um reasonable sp- uh, reasonable servings for people so that they can get their head around it. I think what you're getting at and what you continue to experience on a daily basis is vital. And I sometimes would consider it, I guess I'd call that, I mean, on the bandstand, I guess it's magic, but in some ways in life, it's just, I mean, what you're talking about is, People want to have that control and that and that understand that they if they don't understand something or can't see it or can't get their arms around it, then they fear it. And I'm just ultimately I want people to break down that fear. I mean, this this runs across the most super at the most superficial levels at the socio yeah. at the socio political level, and you know, there's just so many sheep and not enough shepherds. And obviously, you know, you've been a shepherd for a long time and 
Who knows what? They're all in, see, you just hit it again, uh, Jake. They're all in fear. Yeah, fear. If you if you listen to these people, not, we won't go off of this now. But if you listen to these people on TV, if you just listen to them, forgetting whatever crap you know they're talking about, party the hell, just listen to all of them. They're all you can you can you can. It's so obvious that they're in fear that you can you can taste it. It's so obvious. They're all in fear. They're they're all of. Are just talking nonsense because they don't know why they're talking that way. Exactly. But they're, but they're afraid. Oh, I'm afraid of this, and uh, uh, you know, I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid these people are gonna. What if, what if they invade so and so? Oh, it's oh, insane. Yeah, it's insanity. Insanity. I guess also the then the other things I want to talk to you about also are that it's fear, and then obviously you talk about judgment. But I, I, the other things that get thrown into the dogma are <clears throat> guilt and shame, which comes from ego. And I think some of these blowhards that are yelling in, in fear just feel like if they actually surrendered, uh, they, would, they would just lose all credibility. When in fact, I think it would completely strengthen people's credibility when you surrender to the, to the unknown. You well, know? the ego is the just the ego is the liar. The li- exactly, the liar. exactly. And it it it, it, it destroys uh, more more people. If you were to talk to some of these Indian, uh, say gurus, yeah, uh, uh, Kananda and all these different people, and you sat before them and talked about things, they they don't have any ego. As you were just talking about, they don't have any ego. They they don't think they're better or less or this or that or whatever. In fact, all of the extraterrestrials, most of them, most of them, um, think that human beings, the people on this planet, are um, exceptionally um, suffering from arrested development. Basically, is the easy way. To I li- no, I like the way you said that because otherwise, I would have said they were they. The extraterrestrials would be judging, but they're not judging that. They're just oh no, no, yeah, no, no, they don't judge us at all. Right. They just they feel if it, if there was any way to explain it, they just kind of feel sorry uh, for the way everyone thinks here. Arrested development, thinks, lack of huh? arrested development. That's basically it. They, that you nailed it right there. Yeah, it, and, and and they they don't look down on us. They kind of. Well, they're, that's what one of the reasons they're here is to try to help uh, this third dimensional reality, which is where we're in or what we're in, to progress, to make this reality on this planet be like it is on their planets, which is, which is you know, thousand years in the future. You see, these people are years in the future. That's why they don't have any sickness. That's why they live to be, you know, nine hundred years old. That's not. A, that's a fact. They don't. They, they don't have any of this uh, stuff that's going on uh, because of their spiritual development. And uh, you know, they they also realize that there's a creator, and ultimately they have to, uh, you know, account to the creator as well. But they're so far advanced from those on Earth, you know, that they do their best to help out. <laughs> but what happens? What happens? Well, the news won't talk about it. Right. Everybody, 
right? Now think about this for a second. For in closing, they've tr- they try to help out. You know, they show themselves where they can, and they get shot at or chased down. Not that they can't handle it. Believe me, they could, but they don't. You know, they just kind of let it go. And then you know, you've got all of this rude reception committee. Uh, either that or the ignorance uh, thereof. So you have all of this kind of stuff. These people are, they're well, well, well in advance. Uh, and I want to talk to you about this thing called med beds uh, the next time. We yeah, no, let, let's, I'll get with you this weekend and we'll do another session next week, man. It, I really, this is very healing for me, man. I really appreciate it. You're most welcome. I hope we covered the thing. Hey, man, dude, if, for, if you don't remember what you just said, you just cooked for 45 minutes. There was some, there was, you were riffing poetry and truth in there, man. And you just got to shake people out of the shackles of fear. And I, you know, listen, the bottom line is this. Someone will be listening to these conversations long after we've left, in, where we've gone into another life. And right. it will have an impact on those people in this life. That's why, essentially, I'm doing my show. So, uh, well, yeah, man. Fantastic. All right, fire. I'll talk to you soon, brother. All right, pal. And shoot me uh, that uh, cat's name with Shaka when you have. I'm gonna. This. You know what? I'm. Thank you, bro. I'm gonna uh, get on that immediately. And uh, yeah, much love. I'll get this interview. I'm gonna put the two. These two set. We're done with set two now. So I'll get this up later. All right. You got. Have a wonderful rest of your afternoon. All right. Much love, dude. Be cool. Be safe. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cheers, man. All right, Bye-bye. man. Later.